Well, my name is Mike. I'm a pastor here at CBCB. I'm so excited to be talking to you guys today. Got all my books up here. Look at this. Can't even fit all the stuff I have up here. I, uh, we're going to have a message today that we're, we've been talking about uh, prayer a lot lately, and we're going to continue talking about prayer today. We're just going to take a little bit of a, of a side message to talk about something a little different with prayer. So recently what we've been doing is we've been going through the Lord's Prayer, basically, and kind of line by line breaking that up and hopefully to empower y'all to feel like you are capable of prayer. Um, I think a lot of times what happens is folks come in and they hear, you know, the people on stage prayer, but they think they can never do that. And we never want you guys to ever feel that way. So we really felt like a movement of prayer happening in our church, and it's been amazing uh, to see the feedback has been fantastic. Hopefully, you guys have been following along uh, each week, and, and hope you know. Hopefully, you guys have been really trying to go to God with prayer um, daily in your life. Again, with us, what we're trying to do is look more like Jesus. That's just what we're trying to do here, and we really feel like prayer is a way to do that. So. In saying that, we kind of had this whole series structured out for what we wanted to do and how we wanted to do it. And um, there was a type of prayer that we weren't going to talk about, but I felt really convicted to add in. Um, and, and it's the prayer of lament. Um, and so a lot of you guys have no idea what that even means, and that's okay. We're going to talk about that in a second. Um, but it really was, was prompted by kind of just this, there's just this overwhelming heaviness right now with the, with a lot of people, um, with, with our country, with our world, there's wars going on, there's stuff happening, political stuff, we don't know what's happening, our own families, we don't know what's happening, and I think sometimes we don't love to talk about that at church, um, because it's kind of a downer thing, but a prayer of lament is something that has really helped me personally uh, deal with a lot of a lot of grief and a lot of sorrow and a lot of heartache and a lot of pain. And it's not it's not a prayer that's just like this downer kind of a prayer. It's a prayer of hope. We just have to kind of get there, and through lamenting is how we do that. So today I'm going to talk to you guys about lamenting. I'm going to talk to you about a prayer of lament and what that looks like. And I understand, like, this might not be a message for every single person in the room right now. I get that. I get not everyone's wanting to just, you know, <laughs> to lament, to just go to God and express sorrow and pain and heartache and confusion and doubt and hate and anger and all the stuff you have inside you towards him. I get that maybe that's not where you're at. But unfortunately, it's a place everyone will get to at some point. I mean, we're, there's very few certainties in this world, and, and, and heartache is, is one of those things. It's just what happens. It's just a product of, of the fallen world. So what we want to do is we really want to kind of equip you to be ready for those moments. And we'll kind of dive into a little bit more of a how-to. I'm not going to give you like a, like a, like a step-by-step breakdown of exactly how to do it, structurally how to lament. It's more of just kind of introducing you to this idea of lament. Um, so what is lament? What is a prayer of lament? A prayer of lament is basically is this. It's a prayer expressing sorrow, pain, anxiety, or confusion offered up by believers when believing is hard. Does this make sense? When it's hard to believe in God and the promises that you know he said, lamenting is what we do. Essentially, it's this prayer given to God when we're in this desperate state of just not knowing what in the world God is doing or why he's doing it right? You've, you've probably been there before. My guess is you've been there before. If you're a believer, you certainly have been in this spot before where you're like, what, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? 
Where are you in these situations? Now, these are prayers of desperation, but it's important to know that these are not prayers without hope. They're not prayers without hope. This is commonly we see lamenting throughout the Old Testament with New, New Testament Christians. We just kind of stop talking about it very much in church. There, did you guys know the book of Lamentations? So this is, did you guys know that was a book in the Bible? You don't have to tell me yes or no. That'll hurt my feelings, but it's fine. So there's a book in the Bible called Lamentations. It's an entire book of just lamenting. That's literally all they're doing. Like it doesn't, it doesn't have like a great resolution at the end. It's just like this journey of like, you know, we're, we're being persecuted and hurt and we don't know where you're at, God, and why are you letting this happen, God, and what's going on, God? Ah, it's just lamenting. The whole book is just a big, a big lament in just this chaotic world. You know, the Psalms, we love the Psalms and we love singing these songs of praise, but did you know that like over a third of the Psalms are prayers and songs of lament? of just confusion and where are you, God, and what is going on right now? You know, with Jesus, and we'll talk about him a little bit more, uh, well, a lot more, but we'll talk about him some more in a little bit here. We see Jesus several times in his walk with just some grief and some sorrow. It's not just happy Jesus all the time. If you guys remember in, in, in the New Testament, right before Jesus is fixing to be Judas and, and the Romans are fixing to come to arrest him, right? Right before that, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see Jesus. And it says this. This is what Jesus says. My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Is that a joyful noise? Mm, we're kind of hurt right there, right? We're kind of hurting right there. Right? And he asked God, take this cup from me. Right? Like, just take it from me. I, I don't want this cup of suffering that's fixing to happen. Like, if there's any other way, God, please, just not this way. And we know he also ends it with, but not my will, but yours be done. But he's got to get there. Right? He's not there when that starts. Three different times he goes and offered that exact same prayer to God. So we see lamenting, we see offering up these cries of what do we do when we're hurting or in pain or grief-stricken or just confused or mad at God. We see these examples all throughout the Bible. And prayers of lament are prayers that we offer when we hear no, or even worse, when we hear nothing from God. Or we're just flat out hurting or grieving or longing. And making a joyful noise just kind of isn't our default when a perspective shift can't just get us to thanks. If you guys were here a couple weeks ago, I spoke on gratitude and how we hallow God's name is through gratitude. And really what we kind of uncovered through that message was that a lot of us, the issue that we've got is we just kind of have a, we need to have a little bit of a perspective shift and recognize that God is in fact all around us and there's lots of stuff in our life that we can be thankful for. But sometimes we don't like to say this. We don't want to say thanks for what's going on. We just don't. We're just not there. It's just not where we're at. And this really conflicts, right, with what we hear all of the time. We want to make a joyful noise for the Lord. Thessalonians tells us to be thankful in all circumstances. So what do we do when we don't want to say thank you? What do we do when it seems like God is just saying no or nothing? Great book by Pete Gregg, God on Mute. When you talk to God and it seems like he's not talking back, what do we do? We lament. This is what we do. So the goal of this message today, hear me when I say this, I have a goal. The goal of this message today is to allow you, like you feel when you get in those moments, that you have permission 
to lament. You have permission to, to go and offer God this type of prayer. That it's okay if your initial reaction isn't joy and thank you, God, for this horrific thing that has just happened in my life. You have permission to lament. And again, I'm not going to deep dive into like the traditional, the structure of lament, though I could probably be talked into leading a class on it if you guys are really geeked up about lamenting. I, I think I could do it. But really, I just want to kind of introduce this prayer so you'll be more empowered to pray. Okay, so that's what we're going to try to do today. Before we kind of get that, let's talk about a couple things. Why don't we talk about lamenting more? Let's do this. Raise your hand if you've heard a sermon or a message given on lamenting. Okay. Well, this is your first time for lots of people today. This is what I'm saying, though. We don't talk about it, right? We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't like to talk about that. We don't like to talk about this kind of stuff. And this is, this is a bit confusing, right? We live in a really hurtful world. There's no way for any pastor to say that things have just not gotten significantly worse over the last five years with mental health, with anxiety, with issues with kids, with issues of the world, all of these things. And we see stressed out people. We see smiling faces in here, but we see lots of those smiling faces, the real people during the week when they come in because they're just hurt and they're just broken. And churches, I think, us included, I think, don't do a great job when it comes to talking about what to do with those emotions, right? We're big on making the joyful noise, giving thanks, praise at all times. You know, God's working all things out for good. We like to say that lots. And these are all fantastic and scriptural. But as my friend Caleb signs, he says this, I think churches sometimes we unintentionally communicate that we want hurting people to show up, but leave your hurt outside. And that is not what we're after. That is not what we're wanting. I think also a reason why we don't talk about it that much, I mean, it's not quite as fun, right, obviously, but I think that what happens sometimes with church is we don't want to make people, like, feel sad during church. We don't want to make them feel upset or hurting or, like, we don't want to, we don't like that. We don't, we want it to be happy and uplifting and all are great things, and, and I think we do those things well. But I think sometimes we get a little, a little concerned if we don't have like this just feel-good message that someone's going to leave and be like, well, I don't feel fantastic after that, so that's it for my journey and my faith. I give up, right? So I think there's some concern there. I also think that it kind of feels like a weakness, right? It, to say like you're broken to the point where you can do nothing but lament to God kind of feels like a weakness. It feels a bit lazy, Right? Because in our society, especially out here, like, stop complaining. You know what I mean? Pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Get to work. Work harder. Just do it. Right? You can get glad in the same britches you get mad in, right? <laughs> you said that to me. Mom. But it's true. That's what we do, and that's fine. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not discounting hard work. I'm not discounting, like, not just moping. I don't, want, I don't want this to sound like a lazy, like I'm empowering laziness. That's not what I'm doing at all. But it feels like it's almost better for us just to pretend like it's going great, and then eventually maybe we'll get there. Instead of just saying, like, I'm just kind of broken right now. I'm just, honestly, I'm just mad at God. Have you ever told God you hate him? Ooh, what if you did? Well, what do you do? If you're mad at God, could he handle that? Right? These are things we need to talk about. We don't talk about it that much. We don't talk about Bruno. 
ridiculous. I was trying to find moments of laughter in this, ser- in this sermon. I almost wore a Christmas suit that lights up just so when it got really dark, I could just light it up so we could have a little bit of laughter on our faces out here. So that's reasons why I think we don't lament. Why should we lament? This is the most important thing today. If you've got your Bible, John 15, 5, that is, that's, that's the heart of this. This is the heart of everything that we do in this series. Right, we hear the, the seven I am's from Jesus. John 15, 5 tells us this. This is Jesus talking. He says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So our goal, right, we want to look more like Jesus, and Jesus offers us this. If we want to look more like Jesus, if we're the branches, what must happen is we must stay connected to the vine at all time, to our source at all time, not to disconnect and then re-engage, right? To stay connected at all time always. And we know that prayer, right, is this Christ-modeled way to do that. So kind of regardless of our emotions, or whether the words we have are thanks or hurt directed at God, that does not and should not determine whether or not we stay connected. The goal is to stay connected through all of the emotions, through this stuff in life, to stay connected at all times. And this isn't with lament. This isn't like this perpetual state to live in forever. But it's a necessary one to happen sometimes, especially if that's the only way you can stay connected to God. So listen, this is kind of what I've seen as a pastor as far as folks like their spiritual walks, right? And, and mine's included in this. this is, I'm not like excluded because I'm on this stage. But essentially there's moments in our, in our walk where we feel like we're very connected, right? We feel like we're very connected to the spirit. Like we're very like in tune with what's supposed to be going on. A lot of times this happens on Sundays, right? So maybe this happens like periodically. But like on Sundays you're like, man, we came in. There was like, there's great community, there's hospitality, you know, there's, there's service going on, there's worship going on, there's prayer going on, we're reading the scriptures together, my family's together. It just kind of feels like you're just like connected. And I think that happens a lot with us in our walks. Like we feel like we're, we're connected. In moments we are super, super connected. But what I've seen is this. If you can picture like being like the most connected you've ever been right there, what happens is it life kind of goes one or two directions, right, once that happens. It either starts getting really good or it starts getting really bad, and then we just kind of do this thing in life all of the time. That's just how it goes. What I've seen is this, and this isn't like, the, like a straight linear progression to this, but basically we're super connected, and then as things start getting better and better and better and better and better and better and better, we start to disconnect because we kind of don't need God anymore. You know what I mean? Like we're, we, like things are, this is why the rich guy can't go to heaven, right? It's just really hard for him to give up all the things he needs to give up in order to be where he needs to be with God. So he's not really willing to do that, right? So conversely, I think what happens is this. We're super connected. Things start going bad. And again, not like linearly, but I think maybe we go to God, we go to God, we go to God. We don't hear from God. Where are you, God? Where are you, God? And we disconnect and disconnect and disconnect and disconnect to the point where we're completely disengaged in our walk with the Spirit and with God, right? Does that make sense? 
Does this sound sort of accurate? Like sometimes when things get really bad, we're really far from God, it seems like we're really far from God. Or even when it's really good, it seems like we're really far from God. That one's a little, that's a different sermon for a different day. But that, does that make sense? But here's what we need to remember, that God is near, right? He's near to us. And we want to stay connected to that regardless of the emotion that we're going through. Prayers of lament allow us to stay connected with the Father, even when the prayers are prayers of hurt or doubt, or even when they're just tears. Have you ever, you couldn't even pray, you just cried, like that was your prayer, or just tears? Isn't that sad? Isn't this a fun message? Here's what you can need to know, though. This is not a message without hope, because here's the deal. God can take it, right? And I think he doesn't discriminate which prayers you're giving, right? He doesn't discriminate against them. It's not like, oh, I only want to hear the good stuff from you, Mike. It's joyful noise or nothing from you, Mike, right? God is near, Psalm 34, 18 tells us this. He gives us this promise. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Sometimes we forget this. Sometimes I think what we do with good intentions, none of this is like I'm accusing you of being horrible Christians. I'm not doing that at all. I think what we do sometimes is we make it seem that he's only close when we can see him, right? Or when things are going kind of in a way that seems like it's working out for us, the way we want it to work out, right? But sometimes we can't see God's plan, and sometimes we're just hurting. And what we don't want to do in our own lives is make it feel like, well, God's not present in this moment. Therefore, I'm disconnected. It's the opposite. In those moments, we should feel like that's when God is the closest because he's close to the brokenhearted. I have some friends of mine and they have been through a horrific season of life. Season of life, that's a Christian word, a season. You guys hear season all the time. They're in a horrific season of life. Horrific. Infertility stuff, family stuff, job stuff, confusion, hurt, pain, all of the things. They couldn't get pregnant forever, right? And they really wanted a family and really felt like they were supposed to have a family. And they went through all the stuff with infertility, all the struggles, miscarriage, all of the things that go along with that in that journey. And they had a really hard time. And I knew they were really good at lamenting. And I said, hey, why are you so good at lamenting? Like, take me on the journey. And so they walked me along. And a lot of this sermon is based off a lot of things that they have told me about their journey. The one thing they said that really stuck out to me was they said they kind of stopped wanting to be around Christians during this season. Because they couldn't figure it out at first. But eventually what they figured out was every time they talked to someone, it instantly went to like hope and joy of like, it's going to be okay. God's going to work this out. He works all things out for good. He's got a plan for you. It's fine. My sister couldn't get pregnant and now she's pregnant. Just hang in there and then it's going to be okay. And they couldn't figure out why that bugged them so much. And most of us, if we're listening to what I just said, are like, oh, I've said all of those things so many times. And that's okay. Like I said, it's not, you're, you're, no one's heart is bad. It's just kind of a perspective that we need to think about of, on the other side of this. And for them, what they said was the reason that they were so like bugged by this is because what it made it seem to them was, if you will just hang on long enough, God will show up. Right now though, He's not really here, but if you just hang on, he'll show up. And that is the opposite of what we want to do in these situations. When we're hurting, we want to draw near and have him draw near to us, not based off of things being good or bad. He doesn't discriminate the emotion that you're coming to him with. We just want to always go to him with those emotions so that we can stay connected. Does that make sense? 
So being weak through honest prayers of lament, it's not a weakness. It doesn't further you from God. Rather, the opposite. In his book, Letters to Malcolm, C.S. Lewis said, we must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. So through our prayers of lament, we offer what truly is in us, and we rely fully on the provisions of God to get us through our struggle and to trust that he prefers our rawness to a fake smile and certainly over a disconnected heart. And through that reliance, watch this, through that reliance, we discover and we strengthen obedience. And through that obedience, we find peace and allow ourselves to eventually give thanks. Through our prayers, we stay connected to the vine. Hebrews 5, 7, and 8 says this. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence of God. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. What Jesus didn't do is Jesus didn't try to skip his emotions of hurt. He didn't just bypass them or just shove them way down. He embraced those emotions. He processed through those emotions. He lived in them. And then he became obedient, more obedient through his suffering. Again, we don't want to live in this never-ending state of lamenting. But we also don't want to skip the stuff that makes us and can make us grow. Your pain, if handled appropriately, could be your superpower. Like, it could be the thing that takes you the closest to you've ever been to God. So don't hide that pain from God. Don't disconnect from God. We want to process through emotions. Our prayer of lament is an eventual exchange of hurt for hope. But it takes time to get there. It's, it's like a literal process, right? You guys know about processing through emotions? Here's typically what we do as Americans. We get angry or upset about something. We, you know, shove it way down, pretend that it's not there. I'm not hurting. I'm not grieving. I'm not mad. I'm not any of those things. We shove it way down because we're so good we can handle it just not ever being processed. And then what happens? Like, it comes out. That's what, we tell, that's what we tell our kids. Like, if you're mad, it doesn't just go away. It comes out. So how do we process things so that it comes out, like, appropriately? Right? So what we do at our house, we've got a thing with our kids. When they don't want to talk to me anymore, which happens a lot, um, or we're upset, or there's an argument being had, one of our kids, I will not name who it, who it is, but it is the one who closest resembles the way of her father. Um, our middle child. Very emotional. Um, very emotional. I'm an emotional guy. She's an emotional gal. When we get going, we get going. You know what I mean? Like the fights get, the fights get intense at our house. The arguments get intense at our house. And so what happens is she would just get to like a boiling point of just, just can't take it anymore. And there's no resolution. We couldn't process through that emotion. We just lived in that emotion or just pretend like it wasn't there. That wasn't going to work. She certainly wouldn't even give us that option. It was just, this is the emotion. So how do we get out of this emotion? So we did a lot of counseling, which I recommend counseling, by the way, for everyone. I love counseling. It's so good and so helpful. Find a good counselor. Man, we all need it. All right, that's my promotion for counselors. We, got, we went to counseling. We worked on different ways, we, different coping, coping mechanisms of things we can do to cope with this problem. So what we learned was 
I could give her a little freedom in this to be mad at me, to process through it, to just let it all out. So what we say is like, go to your pillow. So what she does is she goes to her room and she has permission to say whatever she wants into her pillow as loud as she wants to say it. Like, just get it out. Just get it out. Let the pillow have it. Say whatever you want to say about me. Like, say whatever you want to say about the situation. Say how unfair you think it is. Say you think I'm a horrible father. Say all the things you want to say. You're not in trouble for any of those things. Just get it out in that pillow. And then when you're done, then step outside and let's have another conversation. Right? I can't go from just boiling over kid to let's have a civil conversation of love and hope. I can't get there. You can't get there either with God that way. It doesn't work that way. You don't just get frustrated and confused and hurt and demolished and destroyed in your walk with God and feel like, where are you right now? You don't get to just go there to like, I guess I'll just say thanks. Thanks, God. Right? We had a miscarriage a few years ago. That was not good. I didn't have a miscarriage and instantly say, thank you, God, for taking my baby. Thank you for that. I know you're at work. I really appreciate that. I didn't do that. I was mad at God. I didn't even want to talk to God. Right? But we've got to process through these emotions. So I eventually got to a point where I'm good with God and I have hope in this creator and hope not at what's of this world. But after, right, of where my, my true home, where I'm headed eventually to be the way it's supposed to be with him at the beginning with God. But I had to get there. I had to process through emotions. When I get in a fight, or we get a, it sounds like I'm like this like super angry person. I'm not that bad, guys. I'm just giving you the dirt, All right? So if I've got something at home, if I like lose it with my kids, or we're like so upset, and it's similar to where my daughter is, where we just can't like work through it, I go for a run. I go for a run. Sometimes I run really far. Like sometimes that's just what it takes. But what I like to say is I've never come back from a run mad. Never, I've left mad a lot, but I've never come back mad. Because what's happening is this, going out, I'm saying all these things, oh, Mike, you don't make mistakes, it's all their fault. You're the best husband and dad of all times, right? And I can live in that for a moment, and then I'm like, well, maybe I could have done something a little differently. And I process through the emotions, right? And I get back, and we can have a conversation, and usually it's me apologizing, because uh, it turns out I was wrong um, the whole time. But we've got to process through those emotions of hurt towards God through prayers of lament, we don't disconnect, right? All we have to do is find enough in us to continue to go to him in prayer. He'll take what you can give him. Psalm 46 says this, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So several years ago, I asked God, I said a prayer. Many of you have said this prayer before. I asked God to break my heart for what breaks his and he did. And it sucks. It does. I really, I mean, I'm, I'm not sad I said the prayer, but he did it. And, and now I've got like this giant space in my heart of hurt for the things that are breaking God's heart. I, for me, like there's lots of problems in the world that, that, that hurt me. But for me, when there's like a kid who doesn't have good parents... I can't handle it. I can't handle it. And I try, I've tried to do so much about it, and I can't. I can't fix it. 
think I've made it worse in some situations. I'm just heartbroken, gut-wrenched. I can't take it. And he broke my heart for it. And you guys hear, we, we do a lot of stuff in regards to like commercial sex trafficking and the stuff going on with that. For whatever reason, like that thing has just like pierced my heart. And I can't let it go. A lot of us like to just like, I don't want to hear about that. It's so horrible. We turn our head, which is fine. That's okay. I'm not, not mad at you for doing that. But sometimes we say these prayers where we ask God to break our heart for what breaks his. And so then we do, then he does. And then we're hurt. Because this is just reality and the inevitable result of a believer living in a broken world, right? There's pain, confusion, helplessness, sorrow, because the world is broken, and sometimes there's just no fixing it. Sometimes we realize that what we long for is not of this world, but like I said, of our home with Jesus. But look, that doesn't mean that we don't mourn. It just means that we understand what's missing, and it just hurts that something isn't happening about it. In Matthew 5, we see the Beatitudes that Jesus gives us. And he says one that I think is the weirdest one. He said, blessed are those that mourn. Isn't that weird? For they will be comforted. I think it's always so strange that he would bless people that mourn. What an odd thing to say. I was reading a book. Uh, it's called Lament for a Son. Um, this is a book written by a guy whose name I probably can't pronounce correctly, Nicholas Walterstorff, who lost his son uh, when his son was 25 on a mountain climbing um, excursion he was on. And he died. And this, is a, this man's a believer. He's a Christian. He's a smart guy, way smarter than me. Uh, he's a professor at Yale. Um, and this book is essentially him processing through his emotions, basically through like a stream of consciousness or like journal entry um, way of writing. He's a fantastic writer. Uh, about what he did while this happened. This is not like a how-to book or like a here's how to fix it book or a pick-me-up kind of a book. This is like a real raw book um, about what he was going through and kind of how he eventually got to the point of hope with God, but kind of what was along the journey to get him there. And even through that journey, the pain's still being there. Not that there was like this grand solution, but that how do we work through it when things are really hurting? So I recommend this book. If you're interested in reading something like that, if you're visiting, I'll give you one. If you're visiting, you'll probably never come back because this was the message you heard. Come back. I promise it'll be funner next week. Um, uh, if you, and we also got it back there if you want to get one in the Connection Center. But I'm going to read you an excerpt of this book that addresses this beatitude of blessed are those that mourn. So I'm going to read to you here with one hand, uh, which isn't my specialty. It says this. Blessed are those who mourn. What can it mean? One can understand why Jesus hails those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why he hails the merciful. Why he hails the pure in heart. Why he hails the peacemakers. Why he hails those who endure under persecution. Those are the other Beatitudes, just so you know. These are the qualities of character which belong to the life of the kingdom. But why does he hail the mourners of the world? Why cheer tears? It must be that mourning is also a quality of character that belongs to the life of his realm. Who then are the mourners? The mourners are those who have caught a glimpse of God's new day, who ache with all their being for that day's coming, and who break out in tears when confronted with its absence. They are the ones who realize that in God's realm of peace there is no one blind, and who ache whenever they see someone unseeing. 
They are the ones who realize that in God's realm, there is no one hungry and who ache whenever they see someone starving. They are the ones who realize that in God's realm, there is no one falsely accused and who ache whenever they see someone in prison unjustly. They're the ones who realize that in God's realm, there is no one who fails to see God and who ache whenever they see someone unbelieving. They are the ones who realize that in God's realm, there is no one who suffers oppression and who ache whenever they see someone beat down. They are the ones who realize that in God's realm, there is no one without dignity and who ache whenever they see someone treated with indignity. They are the ones who realize that in God's realm of peace, there is neither death nor tears and who ache whenever they see someone crying tears over death. The mourners are aching visionaries. Such people Jesus blesses. He hails them. He praises them. He salutes them. And he gives them the promise that the new day for whose absence they ache will come. They will be comforted. The Stoics of antiquity said, be calm, disengage yourself. Neither laugh nor weep. Jesus says, be open to the wounds of the world. Mourn humanity's mourning. Weep over humanity's weeping. Be wounded by humanity's wounds. Be in agony over humanity's agony. But do so in the good cheer that a day of peace is coming. First Thessalonians 4 tells us that we will not grieve like people who have no hope. And through our prayers of lament, we cry to their creator, our hearts, in anger and confusion and yearning for things to be a different way. And our initial cries of lament are out of desperation. But if we keep crying out and push through, we see that desperation can and will eventually turn to hope and eventually turn to trust. And as only God can do, turn to hallowing the creator who is sad when we are sad but who never leaves our side because we don't grieve like those who have no hope because we know ultimately he will come and make things new again. Every pain will be gone, every sickness healed. As believers, that's what we believe to be true. Sometimes it just takes us a while and some lamenting to get there. So today, or whenever the day comes for you, I give you permission to lament. <laughs> permission to be weak or mad or hurt or scared or confused. All I ask you to do is this. Do it in a way that keeps you connected to the vine. Do it through prayer. And I'm going to ask you one thing in these prayers. I'm not going to tell you exactly how to say these prayers. But when you close these prayers, try to do this. Speak one thing you know to be true of your heavenly father at the end of those prayers to help keep you connected and a reminder of just who he is. See, that's how we're able to go back to the God we don't always understand. To take a moment to recognize where he's been faithful to you in ways you can see him in your life, in others, or just through his creation. And I also want to challenge some of you in this room today. Some of you are around people that lament or that always lament. And like, like I said, I, we all know the person that is just perpetually sad all of the time. I'm not asking to like enable what's going on there, but I do want to challenge you to do this. If you're around people who are in the middle of suffering, 
This is what I've learned from, from being around people that have suffered a lot and what works and what doesn't work. Try this, right? Remember, it's not laziness, it's not weakness, and we don't, we don't have to fix it, right? Remember this, God is right there with them even when a solution isn't present. Remember, we talked about my friends. Even if we're hurting, God's right there with them. When things go great, God's right there with them. He doesn't change. He doesn't leave. He's always with us. He's as close as the air on our skin all of the time, good, bad, or ugly. Whatever emotion you're going through, he's right there, and he's right there with them. And it's possible that the most Christ-like thing you can do to help, it just might be you being sad with them. So I asked my friends, what would have helped? Like, I wish people would have just been sad with us for a while. Like, we knew we would eventually get through it and process through it. But when we were deeply hurting, when I, I just wish people would just stop trying to fix it. I wish they would just be sad with me. Even if they knew what the solution was, right? Even if they knew, no, no, it's going to be okay. Even if they knew that. So remember that when you talk to your friends that are going through things. Because remember this. Jesus took time to weep with the family of Lazarus, right? And he knew what was fixing to happen. I'm going to close today with the psalm of lament from David. This is a man after God's own heart, right? A holy man. So what I want you to do in this, first let's see if I can find it. I want you to watch how his despair is poured out, right? He's in a horrible spot in the psalm. He's in a bad spot. What's funny about the psalm, I mean, it's not funny, but what's going on, he's in a bad spot. He's hiding in a cave, basically, it seems like. Whether that's literally or figuratively, we don't know. And we don't know what time that would be because there was many times in David's life where he was forced to hide in caves because his life was pretty rough, lots of things going on. He had lots of good things, but also lots of tough things that came with being David. Listen to this prayer. And pay attention to how this process works. We start off mad, but by the end, it turns to remembrance and hope and trust. Let me read this to you. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my plea. Answer me because you are faithful and righteous. Don't put your servant on trial for no one is innocent before you. My enemy has chased me. He has knocked me to the ground and forces me to live in darkness like those in the grave. I am losing all hope. I am paralyzed with fear. I remember the days of old. I ponder all your great works and think about what you have done. I lift my hands to you in prayer. I thirst for you as parched land thirsts for rain. Come quickly, Lord, and answer me, for my depression deepens. Don't turn away from me or I'll die. Let me hear of your unfailing love each morning, for I am trusting me, you. Show me where to walk, for I give myself to you. Rescue me from my enemies, Lord. I run to you to hide me. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. For the glory of your name, O Lord, preserve my life. Because of your faithfulness, bring me out of this distress. In your unfailing love, silence all my enemies and destroy all my foes, for I am your servant. So whatever state you're in right now, whatever emotion you're in right now, what we want to do is stay connected to that vine. Don't disconnect. Stay connected 
to the vine. Whatever your emotion is right now, offer that to the Lord. And if you're hurting right now and you offer that to him, remember it's through your pain that you will be comforted. Just don't skip the pain. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for difficult messages that some people need to hear, uh, including myself. Lord, I just pray for every person in this room, specifically those that are in a state right now where they're hurting. Uh, and maybe they've just been putting on the happy face and, and acting like everything's fine, but Lord, they're, they're confused, and they're, they're not sure where you are in their life right now, and they're begging for answers, and they're not given any. Lord, I pray for all of those in this room today, even if it's just one person. I pray for that person or however many people there are. I think it's more. But God, I pray for those folks to not lose hope, Lord, to not disconnect and just try to fix things themselves or for them just to completely give up on you, but rather, Lord, that they'll go to you with their pain, whatever it looks like, and know that you're close to them. And we know that through your word, Lord. Let us, let, us, let, us, let us cling on to the promises you've given us of how you are close to the brokenhearted and you bless those who do mourn because, Lord, it's certainly hard and it certainly feels like that's not what we're supposed to be doing. And, God, I pray for those who are hurt to go to you, Lord, and through them going to you, may they end their lament, whether it's the first time they pray or the thousandth, let them eventually see that it's you that their hope is in. Let them not lose hope in you, God. Let them trust you and go to you even when it's tough to know that even though you might be silent, it doesn't mean your back is turned, but maybe you're crying with us. So God, I pray for all of those in this room. Give them peace somehow that passes understanding. Help them get through it. And for those in this room that are around people who are suffering, Lord, give them the courage to not speak a solution sometimes, but rather just be there in tears with those who need it. Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you that all of our prayers end with hope because our hope is not of this world. It's in you, and we thank you that we don't mourn like those without hope. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Woo! We did it. All right. So next week, we're back to the Lord's Prayer. Um, <laughs> that's coming next week. Uh, again, I understand this wasn't for everybody. I really feel super convicted like that needed to happen today. Sometimes you just have to have hard talks at church. Um, next week, come to church. We're having a picnic after our second service outside. The weather is supposed to be perfect. Hamburgers and hot dogs by Holy Smokes. We've got a dessert potluck. So bring your dessert. We'll all share in the goodness of y'all's homemade or Walmart buying, whatever it is, I don't care. Bring some desserts next week. Hang out after our second service. You'll probably get a flyer when you leave. Uh, that's it. Again, back to the Lord's Prayer next week. You guys have a fantastic week. If you want this book and you're visiting, go to the Connection Center. If you want it, give it, they'll give it to you anyways. Bye. <laughs>